Welcome to our podcast. I'm David Kramer coming to you from Northern California. And I'm Dave Blasco from Arizona. Dave and I have been fast friends since the early 1980s when we were college roommates. And we finally found a medium to share our wisdom with the world, or at least our opinions. Between us, we have two engineering degrees, two master's degrees, an economics degree, and uh, we've been voting in presidential elections since 1984. Wow, it's a long time. And we're making this podcast together to try to help each other, and hopefully you, the listener, save some money. But wait, we're not going to help you save money today. What are we talking about? Uh, I guess without a fully functioning democracy where contracts are sacred and you have the rule of law, nobody can save money. So we are here to talk about the presidential election that's coming up. Oh my gosh, there's an election coming up. Eventually. It sounds like there's a lot of pregame going on right now, though. Uh, Yes. So we had two emergency podcasts right after the uh, first round of presidential debates amongst the myriad of Democratic candidates. And so we uh, we figured our, our listeners would demand that we follow up after the second round of debates. Um, I'm thinking, Dave, that we will just do one podcast uh, combining our, our thoughts on both nights. Gotcha. It works for me. So I have to admit, I did not watch them as carefully as last time, and I didn't take many notes, meaning I didn't take any notes whatsoever. Um, I, th- I noticed, Dave, and I think you had some similar issues, but with the timing of it and where they broadcast it, it was a little harder to watch these debates than the first round. I think it was. Was it my imagination, or did the first round start like a half an hour, an hour later? They started at 6 o'clock here uh, in the Western time, so had uh, plenty of time. Well, not plenty of time, but time to get home from work. And since I anticipated that it was the same schedule, I was not home in time to watch the beginning of the debate. Yeah, I will say ditto here um, on both nights. Uh, it was hard for me to get off work. Literally, we'd have to get off, you and I would both have to get off work probably by about 4.20 or so to jump in the car to beat Bud in front of TV by by 5 o'clock. And I missed, uh, I think, 20 minutes of the first night. Um, And then the second night, I think I missed a a bit of it just because trying to close up shop and get home. Yeah, I made a point of leaving work by uh, a little before five to try and make sure I had time, and then uh, I double-checked it. And because it was on CNN, uh, it wasn't on my normal news radio, so I had to uh, uh, download an app and listen to CNN.com or Heart Radio or something like that in order to listen to it on the car. Yeah, I guess... um I I had uh, my wife recorded both of them, so I could have gone back. So they're still there on the TV. I can go back and watch them if I wanted to, but I I haven't I haven't done that. Um, and so I missed some of the opening statements that that folks made, and probably didn't pay as close attention. I also had family. Um, we had a party going on uh, for a birthday. Uh, on the second night, so that kind of took away from paying attention because these were three-hour affairs, as my uh, as I recall. They're pretty long, pretty long. Yeah, and I tried to be prepared because we, we do this, and I, I'm a 
I like politics, but uh, I went to check and I assumed it was on the same network and I had set up a record for all episodes and uh, then I was checking. Anyway, uh, being on CNN made it a little bit harder to watch as well. I, I do have cable, but I think that's a little undemocratic. There's people in the middle of the country who still rely on over-the-air broadcasts. You'd think one of the three, uh, whatever you want to call it, legacy networks would step up. Yeah, it's interesting. So we were thinking that it, it was hard for people on the West Coast to see this just because uh, for some folks, if you're working till kind of a nine to five kind of standard job, it would have been hard to get home in time to watch it live. Yeah. But then again, I guess it's a little bit easier on the East Coasters because it was over by 11 p.m. Eastern time instead of midnight. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's a balancing act because I can remember, I digress, Monday Night Football back in the day started at nine o'clock. And right. back back when I lived in Ohio and I worked uh, had to be at work by about seven o'clock in the morning and that was about thirty five miles away. It was all I could do to get to halftime. So I was like really excited when Monday Night Football started coming on earlier than nine o'clock because on the East Coast it would be over till midnight. It was really hard to watch that and get up for work the next day. Yeah, one of the advantages of living in California, um, the Hawaiians get to watch it at lunchtime, I guess. Yeah, I. I've lived now in Arizona for 23 years, and I, for some reason I do enjoy watching the football comes on early, and you're done with it, and you're not watching football until 9, 10 o'clock at night on Sunday night. But nonetheless, so we had 20 candidates on the debate stage again this, this go-around. All right. So for fun, I have our our current favorite reference for politics uh i've got the 538.com website open and they have all the candidates listed in order by how many words spoken i think they originally had it by minutes spoken and somebody said wait that's not i think it was nate silver the founder he said that's not fair what about the people who talk fast (laughs) i was thinking about that as a strategy right get more talk faster in the debate (laughs) All right, so here's my suggestion. I'm going to read off uh, the candidates from night one in order from least words spoken to most words spoken. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So uh, most reticent is John Hickenlooper, then Marianne Williamson. Next was Tim Ryan, then Steve Bullock, the newcomer, John Delaney, Beto O'Rourke, Amy Klobuchar, Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg, and Elizabeth Warren. Um, Surprises me a bit. I thought that John Delaney, who's about fifth or sixth down, was really mixing it up. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I mean, my recollection was clearly some of the front runners, like Warren, would talk quite a bit with the format where you could respond there was quite a bit of response especially in the second night with biden getting kind of attacked by some of his uh debate stage uh uh partners but uh i I don't remember delaney talking a lot or a little this time around Hmm. well again i didn't watch it all and i didn't watch it continuously but that first night felt a bit like uh moderates versus left wingers and Delaney was the voice of the moderates there. He seemed to go after, um, 
the that idea of Medicare for all as being impractical, and he was the only one sp- speaking against it, basically. Yeah, he, I, I, at one point, he took a pretty hard stand. I, I can't remember if he's going at it with Bernie or if he's going at it with Elizabeth Warren, but I recall one of those two going at it around whether the uh, Medicare for All would be financially viable alternative. Yeah, Warren and Sanders seem to do a pretty good job of supporting each other policy-wise. I didn't notice them going after each other at all. I didn't I didn't as well, and they're so very close, really, policy-wise. They have the same kind of supporter base, I would imagine. Yeah, and I thought, you know, I said some disparaging things about Delaney uh, during the last our last podcast but uh, since then i followed him a bit he's pretty sharp guy and i agree with a lot of things he said and i thought his performance was much better this time except i don't know if you saw it but there was one little vignette where the camera was on him and he seemed he must have got confused as to which camera he should be looking at or something but he shifted his point of view back and forth several times rapidly like it looked like he was insane and uh in the in the internet age those kind of memes will will kill you i think gosh i I did not notice that i was actually taking some notes uh so sometimes i'll sit there with my laptop and i'll just try to listen and not always watch um so i did not pick pick up on that yeah i get a lot of news that way by listening to people and sometimes it surprises you uh how different it is like um, she was on the second night, but Chris, Kristen Gillibrand is obviously a grown-up. She's a state senator, um, uh, but she has a very young voice. On the radio, yeah. she sounds like she's in her twenties. Yeah, she uh, kind of has that high voice of uh, some uh, younger person because your voice tends to drop a little bit as you get older. Yeah. So, and the format was much different this time. I I think they did some of the stuff I said I wished for last time. Uh, it didn't seem like there was as much interrupting, um, and the questions were more pointed. In fact, they were kind of seemed intentionally divisive. Like, hey, Bobby, Joe says you're a big baby. What do you say to that? <laughs> there was the format allowed. Uh, the candidate to respond if one of the other candidates talked about them, which was interesting, which I think gave on on night two, which gave Biden a lot of talk time was my recollection because he spent a lot of time uh, responding to people who were saying something negative about uh, his record. Uh, Yes. So actually, so let me list off the candidates who were on the second night. Same order from least to most words spoken. So starting with Andrew Yang, Bill de Blasio, Jay Inslee, Michael Bennett, Tulsi Gabbard, Julian Castro, Kirsten Gillibrand, Cory Booker was third, Kamala Harris was second, and Joe Biden was first. So like you say, because of the the response, uh, the incumbent ish the front runner joe biden got lots of extra talk time because people came after him pretty hot and heavy yeah that was my recollection is he spent a lot of time responding back to some of the um negative things that his uh, debate partners were saying about him and with the format you were allowed what i think it was like 30 seconds to respond so he i would i'm not surprised he was the highest uh talker that debate night too yeah, and I would say that's another advantage the 
front runner slash incumbents have because that automatically gives you more speaking time. I think that was taken to an extreme here. Well, no, a young Joe Biden would have been an advantage for uh, a 78-year-old Joe Biden, however old he is. Uh, I think he got got a little tired towards the end. Perhaps, but I, I would have to say this. I thought he looked a lot sharper than he did in the first debate. Um, I didn't think he looked bad. I think in the first debate he looked a little older, felt a little older. And I thought the same thing about Bernie. Um, I thought in this debate Bernie looked a little sharper than he did in the first debate when he seemed a little bit old. I think the candidates are learning from the experience as their their handlers are, so they probably prepped a little differently. It seemed like Joe Biden had uh, more things in his pocket to throw out as counter punches. Yeah, and you do anything, you get better at it. So there's probably, uh, obviously these folks practice and prepare some more than others, but there's probably nothing like actually doing it with, with the real candidates next to you. Yeah, what was less helpful to Biden was uh, the camera angles. I don't think he negotiated them as well as he normally does. That dude is as bald as uh, uh, as Bernie is. He's just combing it straight back instead of forward. Mm. I bet it's plugs. Keeping on my superficial analysis. <laughs> it could be. We're gonna get. We're gonna get in the hairstyles now. <laughs> uh, hey, they could do it on the radio if they didn't want to be judged on their looks. They could. That's an idea, right? Or behind a curtain. Like, what? what is it? The uh, Boston Symphony does their auditions behind a curtain so you can't see the person, just only hear their music? I, I, I've i heard of that as being proposed uh, to try and battle sexism in the arts. Um, but that's good. People are actually doing it, huh? I believe... I, I believe... And I may be wrong. I thought there was a major symphony orchestra that had their auditions behind a like a screen that allowed sound to come through, but you couldn't see the actual uh, person who was auditioning for the role to take away any of that subtle bias that you might see from what the person looked like. Hmm. I think that's a good idea, probably specifically for racism and uh, sexism, but it probably also applies to people who struggle with their weight or are short or don't look good in a tuxedo. Yeah, I think for an instrument it works pretty well because I don't know there would there would be any difference between say a male or female playing an instrument. Certainly there shouldn't be any difference because of race. But with um, the candidates, uh, I think women's voices tend to be higher, so you could probably pick that out pretty easily. <laughs> I just had an idea. You know how you know how uh, they do interviews where they hide disguise your voice. Maybe they should disguise the voices and do it behind a screen where we're shadowed out where they can't see who it is. So you're only focused on the idea. It'd be interesting if you could uh, do a focus group that way and have uh, one set of um, respondents watch the debate, another set just listen to it, and another set just listen to it with the voices all um, disguised, like you say, anonymized. Or if you had um, uh, the actor who played Darth Vader read everybody's lines. Interesting concept, but at some point, yeah, it's an interesting concept if you didn't know them, but after a while, you know, I think folks would know who, what Bernie looks like, or what Elizabeth Warren looks like, or Kamala Harris looks like. And these people are all excellent orators who've obviously performed a lot, but it's interesting under this kind of pressure that their sort of verbal tics still come out. I didn't write them all down, but Kamala Harris, for instance, expresses things the same way over and over again like i think it was something like 
the actual fact is one of those kind of things. Maybe from her time as a prosecutor, maybe that's good in front of juries. <laughs> Probably. Boy, she got assaulted by uh, Tulsi Gabbard about uh, her tough on crimeness. Yeah, I was I was surprised by that, and and Tulsi went pretty hard at her on that very topic. I heard one talking head suggest that that is Tulsi angling to be in the Biden cabinet, that she was uh, uh, acting as a proxy for him because it's a lot easier for a woman of color to attack another woman of color. Interesting, huh? Interesting, right? So there might have been some pushback if it were. Uh, somebody else like one of the many white males on the stage, right? Yeah. Hmm. I never thought about that. That's interesting. I'm also looking at some of the superficial stuff that we talked about before. I was looking at the choice in, in colors, and I think all the gentlemen wore dark suits. Surprise, surprise, right? Yes. But the ladies um, had a broad spectrum, so all the way from... Um, what I would consider a dark suit to maybe a very a gray suit to f- three shades of red and white. Yeah, I noticed uh, uh, Warren wore red again. Uh, I think that I th- she must have decided that worked for her. A very uh, bright, bright red. Yeah. Uh, who wore white? I thought that was a bold choice, but I forgot who it was. Tulsi did. She had a pantsuit, or I guess I'd call it a pantsuit, and it was a white kind of a very slightly off-white pantsuit. One thing I wondered, I I, I guess I should have watched the before and after, but um, Kamala Harris standing next to Joe Biden, she was, he was still taller than her, but only by a couple of inches. I was wondering if maybe they gave him stools behind there. Hmm. I'm looking at a picture of them right now. I don't, she is not that much shorter than he is because I'm looking at a picture when they were standing uh, while the national anthem played and and they're not sitting on a stool. Hmm. So she must be fairly tall for a lady. I heard an interview with uh, one of the reporters who was in the audience. He wasn't, um, he was sort of a former reporter getting interviewed. So he was in the crowd and he was mentioning how different it is to watch it live than on TV, even in the in the booth like he used to when he worked for CNN. I forgot his name. Because you can see the candidates who aren't speaking frantically trying to get the moderator's attention. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, and maybe eyeballing each other or reacting. Um, it'd, be, it'd be interesting if you had 10 hours to kill to look at the raw footage and, and watch each of the people for a while. Waving their hands, jumping up and down. Me, 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 me. Yeah, like when you watch a basketball game and sometimes you pick out a player to watch what he does away from the ball. Like, oh, boy, that guy's a good basketball player. (laughs) Interesting, yeah. Um, I thought uh, Marianne Williamson did much, much better this time. Uh, When she was on the topic of race, she sounded pretty passionate and uh, well thought out. Yeah, I I agree, too. Full disclosure, I didn't know who she was, so I had to look her up afterwards because even for our last podcast, I guess she's a very fairly famous author. And this time around, she seemed a little less, I don't know what the, I don't know how to say, new age or spiritual um, or out there, as I might say. So she sounded a lot more cogent to me in this past, in the debate that we just had, debate round two. Yeah, and I understand it was the luck of the draw, but ending up with, 
zero candidates of color on the first night was awkward. So I thought it was bold of her to jump in and talk about reparations. Mm. Maybe it was easier since she, there was nobody there of color to s- seem like they had a better uh, uh, insight into it. Interesting. So it, it was a total random draw for the two nights. Is that how it worked? I, you know, I didn't watch the draft night because they, I think they did something to try and level it as far as uh, having the polling numbers balanced, but they yeah. did something random to keep it from being exactly the same as last time. Yeah, I, I have no, no idea, but it's interesting you say that because on night one, the two biggies would be Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, maybe Buttigieg, um, and then t- two, it seems like Biden, Harris, Booker are the kind of the, the three top runners that were on night two. So it kind of seemed fairly balanced between the two nights. Hmm. Yes. I'm uh, trying to see if I can pull up what their standings are in the polls. Uh, here's something on Twitter followers, but I think that's got some sampling bias there. Dave, are you on Twitter? I am not on Twitter. How about yourself? No, I I never was a producer on Twitter. I just followed comedians for a while and then realized I will never, ever write my own joke if I read 100 jokes a day. Hmm. No, I'm not, a t- I'm not a Twitter follower. I set up a Twitter account for my mom at one point so she could follow a few politicians. But other than that, that's about my uh, entire uh, involvement with Twitter. Yeah, my instinct is that it's a bad way to get your news because you're always getting unconfirmed reports. So you're always half-baked with your analysis of things. Oh, I got you. There's much better ways to get fake news than getting it on Twitter, in my opinion. Yes, much better thought-out ones. Um, but like, I went to church this morning, and they had their moments of concern thing, and they mentioned... Um, uh, Gilroy and El Paso and Dayton and this was 10 o'clock in the morning and I I didn't know what Dayton was about Um, we're recording on August 4th and there was a third mass shooting in whatever that is a week two weeks and I hadn't even heard about it by that time yeah, interesting. Yeah, I said, uh, usually I'll check the computer in the morning and I'll read the news through. Um, and I did see that. So there was a shooting overnight in, uh, in the Dayton, Ohio area. All right, I'm going to latest real clear politics to see if they can tell me. Oh, they're just showing swings. Which is a good way to look at it, but I want to know some absolute numbers. But apparently Biden is still winning. Uh, no matter what anybody says, he's way ahead. Then I thought I thought it would, after I thought it was Bernie Elizabeth Warren, and I don't remember if if it was Harris or Booker. I thought it was that was kind of the order. Maybe Buttigieg might be in there somewhere, and everybody else is uh, very distant. I think Buttigieg is actually pretty far ahead of uh, Booker. But hold on a second. We can cut out some silence if we need to. Uh, let's see. All right, here's from three days ago.
Yes, these 538 guys, they're raiding the poles. That's a little meta for us. Alright, so it looks like it goes just picking one of the multiple polls. Biden 28%, Sanders 16, Warren 8, Harris 8, Buttigieg 3. Sorry about that. Mm -hmm. Booker, Buttigieg 3, O'Rourke 3, Booker 3, Klobuchar 3, Yang 1. Oh, this is a weird poll. Doesn't hmm. sound right to me. Interesting. I, I thought, um, you, I don't know what you thought. The newcomer on the stage was the Bullock. And, of course, he replaced uh, Eric Swalwell, who dropped out since the last debate. Did, did you uh, notice anything about the governor of Montana? Uh, I kept wondering, because <laughs> they didn't do a very good job of putting their names up under it. And I kept mm -hmm. thinking, how come I don't remember this candidate? <laughs> And when I listened to the analysis, uh, people kept mentioning, him, like, wait, who's that guy? So uh, he's, ha he's having a little trouble coming to the party late with being memorable. He seemed like he was trying hard to be middle of the road, which might work out for him if he can survive till uh, it gets thinned out a little bit. Probably pretty hard to get elected as a Democrat in the state of Montana, I would imagine. And he managed to do that. But um, That's true, but you could probably buy a case of beer for uh, the majority of the population there for <laughs> less than a hundred thousand bucks. Probably it is, it is a low population, a lot of land, a lot of land per person in Montana. Uh, yes, a lot of senators per person too. They have undue influence on the, our government. The, those huge western states like Wyoming and Montana, but as do the um, tiny eastern states like Rhode Island and Connecticut and places like that, right? Yeah. The, they still, it is interesting how far to the left the center of the party has moved, where the guy vigorously arguing for moderation wants to have a public option for uh, medical coverage for everybody in the country. I mean, that was, that was the height of communism back when we were in school. That was crazy Ted Kennedy talk. Yeah, uh, it is interesting. It's it's the primaries, right? So the Republicans have the same issue. Everybody's going to their base and they have to go right. And the moderates have a hard time in the Republican primaries and the moderates have a hard time in the Democratic primaries. Yep. And uh, it's great for a guy like uh, Trump who doesn't read for somebody to do all that research for him on $30 trillion and all the, all the grenades they're throwing at each other. But I guess that's the nature of our political system. It sure is. Yeah, it sure is. So now I'm, I'm thinking about the male candidates. We talked last time about some of the what people wore. Everybody wore a pretty dark suit. I think Buttigieg looked a little lighter, but all dark suits. Um, did you notice anything about the ties? Any favorite ties you saw this round? I I saw a couple people wearing the same tie and doing the same kind of half-assed knots, but I didn't I didn't take the time to look at everybody. So I don't think it's fair to miss out on somebody. Uh, your your pal Andrew Yang was still the only guy without a tie, and uh, he really leaned into it. 
Yeah. Oh, he, he talked about it as well, too. I think he made mention of the fact that there was uh, a, lot, a lot of debate on social media about why he wasn't wearing a tie. So I guess it's working for him. Any, any press is good press. Yeah. Well, you know what I say. It's like tie has really no, it serves no functional purpose. It's just a adult dress up uh, indicator, right? Um, well, I'm going to maintain it's a signal. And uh, he, in this audience, he's using it as a signal to other people of uh, what to distinguish himself. He's different, um, right? He's a different thinker, right? Yeah, yeah, and if he is kind of, I, I think he's doing a better job of using this as a platform to push for his one big idea, I, I'm summarizing, I don't know if that's how he feels about it, but of the universal basic income, and he might be kind of laying the groundwork the way uh, Bernie did the last <laughs> 17 or 18 times he ran, until eventually maybe that'll That'll be the norm. Everybody agreeing. Should it be five hundred dollars a month or a thousand dollars a month? Particularly, uh, I thought he did got a good job of pointing it out for being a benefit for people uh, like uh, women doing a lot of work that's not paid, and people say they appreciate it, but don't actually pay any money for it. As far as being caregivers and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's a good point. He he did make mention of that, and I think he talked about that at least once, maybe twice that that could i could see that getting some political traction yeah particularly if you can figure out how to um take it from the one percent and distribute it to that bottom 50 percent who have zero net wealth yeah that's true it is true but well as an economist dave you you might worry of that those kind of taxes uh could discourage investment and entrepreneurism Though, people seem to be getting away from that idea a bit. Yeah, hard, hard to hard to say, right? Hard to say. Hmm. Yeah, there was that back and forth between uh, Delaney and Warren, or I think I think the moderators started it and said, "Hey, uh, Congressman Delaney, your net worth is uh, sixty-five million dollars, so Senator Warren wants to take two percent of that." <laughs> <laughs> it's personal now, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, no, I didn't. I don't think it worked very well. I don't think it hurt anybody because clearly uh, Delaney isn't trying to make any more money. He's trying to give it away and serve the serve the people. I think, and sixty five million dollars. I don't know. That wouldn't even get you into the Illuminati uh, outer office nowadays. No, I mean that. That's that's. Just, I mean that's just unbelievable amount of money for the average person. But in terms of some of the super wealthy in the world of this country, it's. Uh, you're right. It probably wouldn't even be on the bronze level. Uh, yeah, I think. <laughs> well, anyway, um, did you see anybody that really stepped in it and probably ought to give up after this round, Dave? You know, I, I didn't. I did think anybody did a bad job, frankly. Um, I don't think that anybody came across with a poor performance. I thought that, that um, I think everybody did a fairly good job. I think the next round gets a little tougher for the candidates to, to make it. So I think it'll be a question of money here pretty soon. Looking at some candidates probably can't continue to have a paid staff at some point. So I suspect we'll see some thinning of the herd here in the next six weeks. Yeah, I thought 
Bill de Blasio came off kind of caustic and might have hurt himself. And I don't, I don't know if he has a a message like John Inslee, uh, Jay Inslee, or or Andrew Yang that he he can just be throw his weight behind. Um, you know, now that you mention it, he did go after Biden hard, and I just I, I'm thinking to myself like, why are you doing this? What purpose does it serve for your candidacy so I, I guess now that you bring that up i thought that that and he i thought that that wasn't a very smart move he's he got some airtime got people's attention but i don't think he got favorable attention when all was said and done yeah and ab klobuchar who feels to me like she's a good moderate candidate who would do a decent have decent results in the main election just seems to disappear into the woodwork I thought she did. Okay. I thought she did okay, but um, with people like De Blasio going after Biden, I guess you don't stand out as much. Yeah, maybe she's just waiting for uh, the outliers to beat each other up. Yeah, and she's polling. I'm looking at some polling data. I think this maybe the same poll you're looking at. She's down around tenth or something like that. Maybe tenth or twelfth. I can't count that fast that quickly. Um, so maybe she's just hanging around, but some of these folks are going to have to pack it in because they're just not going to be able to bring in enough money to keep uh, professional campaign staff paid and fed. Yeah, and it could all change radically at that point. That because uh, I'm I'm sure these polls are influenced by the fact that there's so many, and everybody knows Joe Biden. I hope he was vice president for eight years, um, and some of the other people. It's just hard to hard to keep them straight. It is. There's a lot of people, and you and I follow politics. And I had to get you got a few notes just to remind me who the folks were on the on the first debate. But I mean, you look at Biden's has some national name recognition. Obviously, he was vice president. He's served in the Senate for a long time. Bernie uh, ran last time around. Elizabeth Warren's gotten a lot of press. Those those the big three certainly get a lot of press because of it. But I think uh, Kamala Harris is making a name for herself, and uh, you know Buttigieg has, has made a name for herself uh, as well. Yeah, and if she can survive um, and have herself be painted as too tough on crime, that would help her in the general election. Because she's, she's not, she's, by normal American standards over the last 20 years, she was a pretty kind and gentle attorney general. Gotcha, but you still have to, you know, you still send people to jail, right? I mean, you still prosecute folks, and that generally is a good thing in the general election, right? Tough on crime. And that's the job. We still have criminals. Um, we Maybe we don't want to school the prison pipeline and we don't want to turn prison into violent school. But unfortunately, we have to do something with uh, maybe the pendulum has swung too far, but we can't just let criminals run free. So I think being a prosecutor, I think that always helps in the, any general election. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know if we covered everything, and I don't know if this one was very helpful, but I think once it thins down a little bit, it will have more to say. It'll be easier to follow, won't it, and prepare. Yeah. So uh, I think we should wrap it up on the debates. Anything you want to add, Dave? No, just folks, stay tuned and uh, looking forward to the next set of debates coming up. All right. And I've got a quick Dave saves because we're over time here a bit. And you probably know this, Dave, but this is another, you know I like Costco. Oh, did yeah. You, did you know that if their prices, their posted prices, 
end in 97 cents, that means it's a discontinued item. Hmm, I did not know that. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so if it's something you like, be it a giant bag of pretzels or uh, a certain kind of shampoo, uh, you should stock up on it because it's not going to be there anymore. Not don't do it with back. The, yeah, don't do it with eggs or milk. Probably not even pretzels. <laughs> do it with something that'll last, right? Uh, yes, something that you would, might consider a staple. Um, that, right. is a, that is a good tip. Yeah. All right, so let's wrap it up, Dave. I will uh, look forward to talking to you next time. We'll get back more to our meat and potatoes, saving money and saving the world. All righty. Take care. You too.